Good to see everybody this morning. I'm glad you came to church today. Last week, last week I, uh, we began a series called Relationships Are Hard. And if you came today to hear part two, uh, we're gonna do that next week. I uh, was studying and just felt really stirred to shift uh, the message. I don't do that a ton, but every once in a while, you'll feel your heart kind of pulling you a different direction. And so I feel to preach on something. I don't know if I've preached on this topic before, but I really feel in my heart that the nation is in a different place in the last seven days. And so if you will just uh, open your hearts and your minds, I believe God's got a word for you today. How many of you want a word from God today? A darkness had set itself on American society. The Christian faith is in decline. Spiritual indifference is everywhere. Acquisition of property, increase of wealth, more pleasure is the priority of the people. People are obsessed with getting more and less inclined with getting to know more about God. Addictions are up, church attendance is down, populations are booming in some areas, 300% in some. The largest denomination is reporting a decline in membership and on the rare occasion where issues of spirituality are discussed, the gospel is under attack. The authority of the Bible is being questioned and universalism is suddenly the leading thought. Now, this is not good news, but this is not recent news. What I just read is reaching back in time to the description of the landscape of the United States of America in the late 18th century. Francis Asbury, founder of the Asbury College in 1794, said, in the American frontier, about one in a hundred people were interested in God, the rest simply want good land. Andrew Fulton, the Presbyterian missionary from Scotland, reported, in all the newly formed towns in the Western colony, I find very few religious people. The nation at that time was suffering from a spiritual drought. People were dry. Churches were dying. The interest for the things of God had dissipated. And there was a drought for the people and the land. But somewhere along the line in the early, early 1800s, rain began to fall. Rain began to fall in a little area called Cane Ridge, Kentucky. Pastor Barton W. Stone, him and many others, were praying that God would bring revival. They would gather monthly and have services. Well, this one particular time, they would have communion. This one particular time, it was Pastor Barton Stone's turn to host the event at his church. They have a picture of the church as you can see, it's just an old cabin. They just had service. Just a regular 
gathering together in Cambridge, Kentucky. And from that little building that you see, history records that the people were so hungry for God that in just a short amount of time, some 30,000 people came to that little church. They met outside of the building. You can see how they're depicting pictures of the thousands of people gathered all on hillsides. They came in wagons. They came on horses. They brought their families. For that short spurt of time, people were hungry, and it began to rain. In Lexington, Kentucky at the time, just to put it in perspective, only 1,800 people lived in Lexington, Kentucky at the time. Today, there are 320,000 people. So to put that in proportional terms of today, that would be like 5 million people coming to church. People were hungry, staying all day, staying up all night, did whatever they could because they were thirsty. They were tired of what government has been saying. They were tired of what the politics of the day were saying. They were weary and tired and exhausted with what people were trying to fix our society with. They knew they needed something that the government, that people, that politicians, that the media, that schools and education couldn't give. They wanted rain from heaven. A local atheist, a skeptic at the time of his arrival at the revival was James Finley. He described what he witnessed when he visited Cain Ridge, and I want you to, they got it on the screen, I want you to follow along. He is quoted saying this, the noise was like the roar of Niagara. The vast sea of human beings seemed to be agitated as if by a storm. I counted seven ministers, all preaching at one time, some on stumps, some on wagons, some standing on a tree which had fallen, lodged against another, I stepped up on a log where I could have a better view of the surging sea of humanity. The sea that then presented itself to my mind was indescribable. At one time, I saw at least 500 swept down in a moment as if a battery of a 1,000 guns had been opened upon them. And then immediately following shrieks and shouts that rent the very heavens. He went on to say that I ran for the woods and wish I had stayed home. Interesting enough, Mr. Finley records that he only got so far, that as he ran, what he saw would not leave him. He ends up turning around, going back to the revival, convicted of his sin, gave his life to Jesus, and became a Methodist circuit preacher. That's the power of rain. Cane Ridge Revival led to what was called the Second Great Awakening in the United States of America. It impacted the American culture so much that many prayer meetings followed after prayed things like this, God, make it like Cane Ridge. The Second Great Awakening led to social reforms, two of which changed the American landscape forever. Number one, the abolition of slavery. Number two, the reformation, reformation and the defense of women's rights. 
they didn't start in Washington. They started at Revival. Today, as we fast forward from 1800s and late 1700s to today in 2023, attendance is down in the church. One in three people in the church have left during COVID and never plan on returning. In the largest evangelical denominations in America, one of which reported that their baptisms were down 123,160 the lowest it's been in 101 years. Studies say that if America was, if unchurched Americans were their own nation, if they were their own nation, they'd be the eighth largest in the world. We lead the world in incarcerations. Our teenage pregnancy rate is the highest of any developed country. Our belief in God is down. Our belief in ghosts are up. Addiction is soaring. Murder is climbing. We are a dry and a thirsty nation. Drought has come. It is costing lives. It has been painful to watch as the ground gets dry and as churches get dry and as the nation gets dry and we're running to and fro thinking that we can make the rain. I recently heard a story of a farming, I didn't put this in my notes, so this may get a little hack job here for a minute, of a farming community that wanted rain so bad. It was really dry, and so I didn't even know you could do this. They paid a man who could bring dry ice and they paid him a half a million dollars on the front end, and if it rained, they would bring him another half a million on the back end. You could research this, that this man got on a plane and would fly through clouds with dry ice to create moisture, which hopefully would bring rain. Well, after a while, what they called the rainmaker couldn't make rain. For days, he went through back and forth the clouds, trying to create moisture to create rain. And the local newspaper said, rain maker failed. He begged and begged, please let me try again. Please let me try one more time. Amen. He wanted the other half his money. He was certain it was going to work. And so he flew right through the clouds again, and nothing happened the next day. The paper didn't just say that the rain maker failed. It actually said the rain maker was fired. Can I tell you today that we have to start firing the rainmakers? The things that we think can create a downpour of healing in our nation, it's time to fire that. It's time to move on from that because there's only one source of rain, one source of a move of God, and we, can't part we cannot create or artificially manufacture a move of God. We need something in the church that is, that is so authentic that we know that had to be God. We are seeing this week people hungry for God all across the nation. What started at Asbury University, if you are not aware of what happened, just some students after a very mild message, this man just got up and preached on the power of loving each other and repentance. If you've been watching it, and I know many of you have, 
several students just stayed after. They didn't have a lot of things. They just had four or five people hanging out after church, and they began to pray. They began to cry. And then all of a sudden, more people gathered. And all of a sudden, more people gathered. And they have been going every day for 24 hours since February 8th. 240 hours or more. People have been worshiping God, coming by the thousands all over the United States of America. I can tell you right now, I'm talking to pastors. I never thought I'd even say these words. I'm talking to pastors all over America that are saying, this is the real thing. They're calling prayer meetings. Their services are filling up. People are hungry. People are stirred. Revival has broken out not only at Asbury University, but at Lee University, Indiana Wesleyan University, Cedarville University, Samford University, and Ohio Christian University. About time Ohio got some rain. And I've come to tell you today, I believe it's been raining in Columbus, Mississippi. I'm not just saying it's coming. I think it's already been raining. I can't even tell you right now that we are in the middle of trying to figure out how we're gonna get your kids every single week because you've been jamming the building. I don't know how to explain to you the miracle of our best year financially last year through everything the church has been through. The only way I can describe what God has done in Columbus, Mississippi is that it started to rain. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to manufacture it, but when you've been in a room when it rains, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but it has been raining. Miracles have been happening. Lives have been changed. Marriages have been restored. I've heard week after week of miracles from God. This is the season of rain. Come on, give him praise. I feel it raining in the house. I don't just say that to hype you. I say that with full confidence. We are in something I have never seen in my life. We are in something at this church I have never sensed in my ministry where people are hungry for God. It's almost like we fired the rainmakers and said, you know what, we're thankful for all the stuff. I'm thankful for our buildings and our facilities and our procedures and our budgets and our programs. You can't do church without those because some people get real spiritual and say, we don't need any of that. This don't make rain. This catches rain. We have to have a facility for someone to pray and a place for your kids to hear from God. We need a place for your students. Just look at this as a big system where God pours the rain at 500 Holly Hills Road for your family, for your children, for your family, for your business. It's almost like people all over the nation are tired of church as normal. Business as usual, tired of dead, cold religion, tired of dry services. They're saying, give me rain. That baby knows. <laughs> I'm reminded of the story in the Bible where, the, where there was a drought in the land. Do you remember this story where the prophet Elijah goes to King Ahab and he says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. It hasn't rained in three years. And the prophet looks at 
the king and says, I hear rain. How do you hear something that isn't happening? He's saying, I hear something in the spirit that you can't see on the outside, but I can feel it on the inside. I know when you come to Vibrant Church, you don't get what's going on here everywhere. And I'm not talking about what you see on the outside. A lot of people could say, yeah, well, obviously you got all this big. But no, 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 I'm talking about, not, I'm not talking about optics. I'm talking about something you cannot see with your natural eyes, but you can hear rain. You can feel something and tears begin to flow and hands are raised because rain is falling. Elijah told him, I hear rain coming. And he tells his servant, let's go to Mount Carmel and I'm gonna pray. And he begins to pray and he sends his servant up. Remember the story? He sends his servant up one time. He says, "Go now go see if you see some rain coming. The servant come back now and says, I see no rain. He's like, all right, let me pray a little more. And sends him up a second time. The servant comes back and says, I ain't see no rain. He does that six times, and he doesn't see any rain. The prophet sent him up one more time. One last time. I don't know if I'm certain about this, but this could be the last one for America. This could be the last move. I'm telling you, it could be. And he sends him up one more time. And the prophet comes back, or the, the servant comes back to the prophet and says, I see something in the distance. It's just a small cloud the size of a man's hand. And the prophet said, get ready, it's gonna rain. I know it don't look like much in the distance. I know it may just look like Asbury University. I know it just looks like a little prayer meeting. I know it just looks like a little church in Columbus, Mississippi, but I've come to tell you today, it's gonna rain. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams, and your old men shall see visions. We are living in the days of rain. I hear rain coming. Somebody said, give me rain. You can be seated. You're acting like Pentecostals. <laughs> Come on, somebody wants rain. Somebody's hungry for the real thing. We don't want no more rainmakers. We're done with artificial, mechanic, fake church. Bring us the real thing. Give us souls lest we die. Give us revival lest we die. Let us see it in our lifetime. All right, sit down. Now, the Bible gives us four steps of revival to come in our lives. Our churches and our culture need revival. Can I show you those four steps? These four steps are simple, but they're costly. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name, 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will send the rain. God says the very first word of that scripture, if. God says, in essence, if you, then I will. The first line is, if my people. He's not talking about the world. He's not talking about politicians. He's not talking about if government. He's not talking about if education. He says, if my church, it starts with us as individuals. If we, the people of God, come to him and have a hunger, revival happens when we as individuals are stirred and then it affects corporate gatherings. A lot of times people want the cart before the horse. God will use corporate movements to impact people, but there is no corporate gatherings of moves of God without first individuals who want more of God. If my people, number two, if my people would humble themselves. Humble themselves. James chapter four, verse 10. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. No one can humble you but you. In fact, I'll say this. Even God can't humble you, or he would. I think God can use circumstances, but we still have a choice to be humble. This is the first unskippable step for rain, humility. Alcoholics Anonymous said, in this they understand this, they said, we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves, that only a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. What AA understands is this, that for them to find true freedom, they have to know that they're not king, that we need to humble ourselves and, and put our acknowledgement, what they call a higher power, what we call God, but we put our acknowledgement knowing that we're not the king of our lives, that he is not just our savior, but he's also our Lord, that we're gonna humble ourselves. A man a few weeks ago was talking to uh, some of us pastors in the back, and um, he said something really interesting. He said, we were asking him about ministry. He's been in ministry a long time, rather a well-known guy many years ago, done a lot of ministry, preached to 30, 40,000 students. And, and he was here on a couple Sundays ago, sat in the back, and we got to hang out and talk to him for a minute. If I said his name, many of you would know him. And he told me, he said that, uh, that when he ran these large conferences where 30,000 students would come, he told us that he wouldn't let anybody on the stage or the platform that had pride. Wouldn't, it didn't matter how big their record label was. 
didn't matter how much drawing power they had. If they had a spirit of arrogance, they weren't allowed at his conference. And he told us, if you think you're not, if you ever think you're not proud, it's just safe to assume you're arrogant. Because the moment that you think that you are not, you probably are. Humble yourself. Jonathan Edwards said, nothing sets a Christian so much out of the devil's reach than humility. If my people will humble themselves. Number two, if my people would pray. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing, said Martin Luther. We don't have to pray. We get to pray. And the thing about prayer is that prayer doesn't just change things. Prayer changes us. The Bible is letting us know that if you want rain, if you're tired of a drought in your marriage, if you're tired of the dry services, if you're tired of a dry prayer life, if you're tired of just living a life of just of, of death and, and dryness, what do you need to do? He says, first, humble yourselves, then call on my name. Seek my face is the next one. Seek my face. Make God a priority. This is so simple today. Make God a priority. And I'm not, let me get a little pastoral here. I'm not exactly sure God's a priority for a lot of people when church attendance on average in the United States of America is one out of every four Sundays. So do you want rain or do you not want rain? You want the authenticity of the power of God in your life? You want, to, you want the real presence of God? Then he says, seek my face. When giving in the United States of America in the house of God is down 50% since the year 1990. The church is operating on 50% of the resources it did 32 years ago. But we're seeking God first, right? Don't tithe, don't serve, don't give. We want rain. Now, I'm not saying those things make rain, but I'm saying those things show who you prioritize. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, number one priority. Ooh, where'd all the shouting go? Okay, let's move on. Everybody's with me when I was talking about rain. Everybody's with me when, I, when we start talking about revival. Everybody's with me. But the moment you start asking people to crucify their flesh, I'll let you feel this sentence and let it rest on you. The moment we ask people, as Jesus said, to pick up their cross and to fall, everybody wants revival, nobody wants to crucify flesh. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Now hear me today, this is by far 
the least popular message in the United States of America. This right here, in fact, could make you upset at me. We live in a time that this is not a popular message to inform people of their wickedness. Because can I tell you something? I'm gonna let you in a little bit on a church secret. If you wanna grow the crowd, don't tell them they sin. Just don't tell them. If you want more people to like you, which is obviously a struggle for everybody, a struggle for me as well, that if I want you to like me, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna confront you. I'm not gonna tell you there's wickedness. The Bible calls wickedness. We call them mistakes and mishaps and screw-ups. The Bible calls it sin. It's almost like we've palatized, we've made, we've like sanitized certain words to not be so offensive. But what scares me, and I understand working with a post-Christian culture and trying to make things relatable because not everybody understands certain words. I totally get that. But you gotta be careful that in switching and trying to make things understandable, that you're making it more palatable, that you make it powerless. That people are not hearing that there is still wickedness. And it still needs to be turned away from. Do you want rain? This kind of point of the message is not easy. In fact, I'll read you a quote of a preacher who said this. The man whose little sermon is repent sets himself against his age and will for the time being be battered mercilessly by the age whose moral tone he challenges. There is but one end for such a man. Off with his head. You had better not try to pe preach repentance until you have pledged your head for heaven. I've come to tell you today, I pledge my head to heaven. I have to tell you what the Word of God says. The Word of God says to repent, turn from wicked, sinful ways. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's, nobody's got this right, but God sees our heart. And he's looking for our hearts to begin to turn and say, God, I want less of what I want and more of what you want. Less of me and more of you. The scripture says that in the last days they will turn their ears. Turn their ears from truth. Instead of turning our lives from wickedness, we're living in a time that if you bring up this, they would just turn their ears from you not their hearts from wickedness. But I want you to hear me today. I think the number one thing of revival, historically and biblically, and even what's happening in Kentucky and all over, there is an amazing awareness of our sinfulness. Several people ask me, Pastor Ethan, is what's happening in Kentucky a real thing? Is it real? Because some people want to see other things. You know, they're, they're gonna, when are they going to run around and bust out snakes and dance? Well, listen, that's what we want revival to look like. You know what revival looks like in the Bible? Repentance, worship, coming to God with authenticity. And when I watched those services, I watched as Gen Z, the last generation you would think that would have revival. 
the most unchurched generation in the history of America. That generation is crying on camera saying, I'm just a sinful person and I just need Jesus. That, my dear brothers and sisters, is revival. When the church repents, when we begin to realize that we are nothing and we humble ourselves. The word confess, talking about confession, means to, means to actually in the Greek to speak. It literally means to say to God, you're right. This sin is wrong. I don't want to make an excuse for it. You told me not to do it, but I did it anyway. I was wrong. I was rebellious against you. Hear me today. If we want rain, there has to be a broken, contrite heart that says, God, I'm turning away from everything that does not honor you. I'm turning away from my arrogance. I'm turning away from my greed. I'm turning away from my lust. I'm turning away from my anger. I'm turning away from my bitterness. I'm turning away from my self-righteousness. I'm turning away from my lazy, Christian, convenient lifestyle. I'm going to turn away from my apathy. I'm going to turn away from my nominal Christianity. I need rain so bad. That if it costs me everything, what if it costs you everything? How bad do we want revival? How bad do we want rain? How bad, how thirsty have you been? Your marriage so dry, your prayer life so dry, your praise so dry, your spiritual faith drying up. Your teenagers seem so dusty, and you're just begging God, please, Jesus, do something. And today, God has given us the prescription. If you'll humble yourself, and you'll pray, and you'll seek my face, not followers on Instagram, not what people think about you. You, you just seek my face. Then he says, turn from your wicked way. And, and here's the amazing part. I will hear you from heaven. And then he says, I will, let me look, forgive their sin. I knew it. I was just preaching it. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their sin. I want to open the heavens and I'm going to bring healing and I'm going to bring water and I'm going to bring victory and I'm going to do what only I can do as long as you do what only you can do. Hear me today. There is a place in the atomic, Adamat, Atacama Desert the driest place on earth in North Chile. I think they have a really dry picture. That's the driest place on earth. It, it really doesn't receive rain. It doesn't really receive any rain. It receives moisture maybe from a mist or a fog. Really dry place. In fact, NASA will go there to um, like practice for Mars, to going off of our planet to practice going to another planet. That's, that's how odd this place is. It's extremely dry. It's extremely barren. It 
doesn't receive barely any moisture ever. This is a picture of, of so many of us. But on March the 26th, 2015, in a handful of hours, they received a deluge. They received seven years of rain in just a matter of hours. Drenched this place. And as a result, flowers came up and begin to grow. They didn't know that was even there. What it was is that for years, seed had laid in the cracks of the foundation on the floor of that desert, have laid vacant for years, have not come to life for years, but when the rain hit the seed, Some of you have seed in the ground. You got a whole lot of sermons you've heard. You got promises you're hanging on to. You got some seeds you've been believing for. You got some seed that you've been wishing and hoping. And God said, you know, rain don't excite nobody unless you got seed in the ground. And when the rain shows up, God can bring new life to your marriage. God can bring new life to your family. God can bring new life to your kids. God can bring new life to this church. God can bring new life to our nation. What would happen if we humbled ourselves, prayed, sought his face, turned from our wicked ways that God can water the seeds in the driest place we could ever imagine. Can I tell you today, we are in revival. And there's a couple of types of people. There are people that have almost created a theology around no rain. They've made excuses for no rain. They're comfortable without rain. There's others that when it rains, they'll pull their umbrella out and complain that the church is too loud, too many people coming, not like it used to be. But then there's some of us that when it starts to rain, like my kids get out in the rain, they jump around, make a mess, and play in the mud. Can I tell you today, I think God's going to send rain to people who want to play in it, who want to get in it, who, who are just thankful for the blessing of his presence and his, and his glory and his power and his mercy. I just think rain is coming. I hear the sound of abundance. Not just a little bit. What I'm hearing can be more than you've ever imagined. And what I've noticed too, it can rain on one person and then sitting right next to them, no rain at all. I've seen one person in a chair in a service, tears running down their face, heart beating, hands raised, and the person next to them just staring off into space. It's almost like I'm looking in the desert on one side and the flowers on the other. Somebody opened themselves up and wanted the real thing and wanted the reign of God on their life and on their heart. And I have prayed for you all weekend because I want you and me and this church and this region and this nation to just want the reign. Is there anybody in the room who just wants rain? Rain on your family, rain in your marriage, rain on your kids, rain in your heart, rain in your business. God, bring new life today. Bring new life today. 
bring new life today. You can stay standing. Normally you stay standing right here because you want me to close. Like, I think this was the last one. Don't, kid, don't sit down, kids. <laughs> Rain changed my life. I remember being in youth services and just, it's like the rain of God came down. So many times I've been reading the Bible and something will speak to me. It's just like rain hits my soul. Sitting on the front row as the team begins to lead us in worship, it's just like the presence of God just touched earth right there. Can I tell you today, you need those moments with you don't just need an intellectual faith. That's important. But you need something that stirs your soul. That when life is hard, you know where to go. When marriage is tough, you know where to go. When you don't know what to do, you do know where to go. And all over the room, I just want you to just open your heart. Maybe you wanna close your eyes, maybe put your hand on your heart, maybe you wanna raise your hands to heaven. I just want to declare and decree over your life that God is a God of revival. That God will stir your heart, stir your family, stir your mind. God, help us turn away from things that do not honor you. Help us to move away from things that are not your best, things that are not what you want from us. God, we pray that we will have a heart for the things of God, that we will be so dry, so thirsty and hungry after you. If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall be filled. Come on, let's worship the king.
you know, we're ahead on time, so we're good. But I, I want you to hear me today. Just for those of you that really watch the clock, I want to let you know we're good. But I also don't care. Let me just tell you that. I don't care. Now listen. I'll listen. We got, here's what I want you to know. When I grew up in church, when I was growing up in church, we would, we would, we would oftentimes, would, the preacher would preach, and, 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 and like a man from another planet, those preachers could preach. And they would open up the front of the church, and they'd say, I don't know what your need is, but rain can get to the need. I don't know what you need today, but I'm just crazy enough to believe. I don't think there's anything super special about the front, but I just, there's something about getting out of your seat and getting in the rain and saying, God, I, I want whatever you got for me. I, if I gotta come from the rivals, if I gotta repent of sin, if I gotta leave it at the altar, come on, all the way from the front, all the way from the back, all the way from the side, make your way and say, God, awaken me. Make me awake. Take me out of my slumber. Make me alive again. Make me new again. Make me new
Thank you, Jesus. You can light it up. Do it for Chelsea oh, and Justin, God. Bring ring to their house. Bring ring to their family. Let the best days come. God, and she's even trying like the woman with. Chelsea, why don't you just keep coming? Chelsea, why don't you just come? As you're coming, as you're coming, I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of blood that had to press through the crowd, had to push through all opposition. Father, in the name of Jesus, even as she sits here today, let there be a miracle like she's never seen. Let revival come, renewal come, miracles come, signs and wonders come. Bring rain to every crevice of her life and let flowers come forth and miracles come forth. And she'll look back 12 months from now and say, God, you made it rain. 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 Come on, give God praise and glory. Does anybody know how old? How old are you, Sister Shirley? How old? 77. You were here, which isn't it amazing that right next to her is a teenager, right? All over, there's different ages up here. You were here at the very beginning of this church. You've seen it rain before. You know wherever John Knight is. Is he here today? Is John here? He's probably asleep back there. Oh, there you are, John. John, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. There are people in the room that have been in the room and experienced the reign of God's presence. And it's almost like the last 20 years the church has gone through a little bit of a dry spell, but I hear rain. I think we're, I think we're into something now. I think people are just tired. They want the real thing. And God has brought us together for such a time as this, that His Spirit come and His will be done. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Can you get me a worship team tonight at 5? Okay. So tonight at 5 o'clock, if you're just hungry, it don't matter if there's 50, doesn't matter if there's 300, we're gonna open up the building at five o'clock tonight. Pastor Josiah, I know we talked earlier. Can we just do a church meeting real quick? We talked zero to four, you wanna do? Zero to four kids will be taken care of. If you bring all of your family, you can just hang out. There's not gonna be a lot of structure. We just wanna worship and pray. Can we just call a prayer meeting tonight? Because I feel rain in the house. I feel rain. Come on, let's worship together one last time. The revival come, the miracles come.
Jesus. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your presence. Father, make it like Cane Ridge. God, I pray it rains in this city. Let it rain in this nation. Let it rain from the four corners of the United States. Let them be that are lost be saved by the thousands. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Touch their lives and let there be a third great awakening. When a generation is trying to be woke, God, make us awake. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said. Pastor Josiah is coming to close. A couple of things. Number one, we're just going to stay in this atmosphere, hang out for a little bit, make ourselves available, pastors, our team, to pray with whoever wants to hang out for as long as you want. Second thing is, did I say five? Should it be five or six, Peter? Two, six? I, all right. He's the pastor now, I guess. All right, so we're... Everybody say six o'clock. There is no pressure to come. But when people are hungry, when your kids are hungry, do you give, food, give them food? When the people want to eat, give them food. They just want to be in the presence of God. So tonight, what time? Is that okay with you, CEO? <laughs> just kidding. One more time, are you thankful for the presence of God today? Yeah.